Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 15 of Maybe Next Year. Tonight, I'm joined by both uh, Ethan Vober and uh, Dave Skogan. Guys, thanks for stopping in tonight. Good to be back. Um, Good to be back, too. Yeah, a uh, couple things here to start off with. Um, if you're looking for good places to listen to, uh, we go up immediately on Anchor. Um, that's usually when you, if you click on a link for us from Facebook or Twitter, it goes to Anchor, or you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts. That's usually what's easiest for, I think, for most people. Um, and then Spotify as well. Just go ahead and search maybe next to any of those and it'll it'll come up for you there. It'll be the first thing that pops up on all three of those things. Um, you can catch up with all of our first 14 episodes. Those are all logged there. And be sure to check out our website, nextyearpodcast.com. Um, all kinds of different things there for you to see. Uh, check out uh, folks that are on the show, little bios about everybody, returning guests and things like that. And you can send us an email as well with your questions, uh, clicking on the contact part in the upper right-hand corner, and then just send us a message and it emails to us. And then also, um, what was the other thing we have on that website there? Um, also, you can play you can play any of our episodes uh, straight from that website as well. All right, so tonight, uh, hopefully, first off, hopefully everybody's uh, healthy out there and, and feeling good. Um, we'll talk a little bit later tonight about uh, what's been going on. Um, I mean, it's pretty much all that's been going on, obviously, with the uh, COVID-19 and how that's affected sports, uh, among other things. We'll talk about that, but um, we'll figure we start with a little bit more light news or light topics to talk about. Um, first off, Vikings, because there isn't a ton of you know specific Minnesota sports news going on right now, um, but a couple of big moves did take place this week. And the first one that we'll talk about is the Stefan Diggs trade, which uh, somebody's, somebody's – uh, Bold prediction was that Diggs was not going to be on the first day. Was it mine? Somebody had that. It wasn't me. Predi- it was you. It, it was, was me? You, oh, good for me, I guess. I um, And I, so I don't think it was a shock to a lot of people when he did get traded. Um, the the trade itself, uh, well, he was, you know, he's always so cryptic as it is with his tweets and everything like that. And it's it's fun to not have to worry about, you know, think about what he's saying with his tweets anymore and not care. Uh, he tweeted that it, his exit was imminent on Monday. And sure enough, uh, they the Vikings sent him to the Bills along with a – seventh round pick and what they got back was the bills first round pick this year which is sitting at 22 their fifth round pick and their sixth round pick this year and then as well on top of that next year their fourth round pick so you know i'll ask you guys what you think about um the haul for that and whether it was you know whether it was fair or, or you know your thoughts so i the the deal he still has um he's only two years into that five million dollar deal that he signed with the vikings uh for 72 million so he'll be making 11 and a half million uh, this year in Buffalo, which is a big thing for the Vikings to get some of that off their books because they were the most cash-strapped team in the NFL. Um, so some of those other moves we'll talk about was that was kind of the reason for them was to free up a little bit of money. Uh, in his five seasons with the Vikes, he he had a nice little – I mean, it, it, there's no way around it. He, he was a huge part of it. Um, 365 catches, over 4,500 yards, and 30 touchdowns. Um, he's only 26, but – the drama and things that unfolded last year, I think, kind of got uh, everybody with a bad taste in their mouth a little bit. Um, if you remember back after the Bears lost, I think it was their fifth game of the year. I think they were 2-2 two and two or something like that after it. Um, he threw a big fit, uh, skipped two days of practices and meetings the next two days, and was texting teammates and saying that he was done. Um, eventually came back, and I, his second half of the season wasn't bad. Um, he had a pretty good second half of the year, especially when Thielen went down. But uh, that's 
done and done. So I guess I, I guess I'll take your initial reactions to it, and then maybe um, your winners and losers out of this. Uh, this, and I guess we'll talk about Josh Allen too, and maybe how uh, Diggs message, mesh, meshes with him. But um, Dave, initially, when you when you saw that come across the wire, what were your what were your thoughts? Well, at first, I think I was kind of shocked. Um, you know, the, the the message that came out earlier, what he what you mentioned there, that he said uh, basically alluding that there was something coming, um, and then waking up the next morning and seeing he'd been traded to Buffalo. Um, my first thought was kind of laughter because I was glad, I was glad he got traded to Buffalo. Um, you know, have have fun with that cold weather this winter when you're trying to run uh, fly routes downfield. <laughs> but you know, the, the the haul they got was pretty good. So as far as value goes, they, they got a first round pick. They picked up a couple extra picks. Uh, you know, they sent them a seventh round pick, but then they picked up a fourth round pick next year. So compensation wise, I don't think you can really, you know, I, I, they got a good deal. Um, especially when you look at the other trade that had been made earlier in the day. Uh, they got a lot better haul than, than what uh, than Houston got for a markedly better receiver in my eyes. Yeah. Um, you know, Diggs was a, a good player, but to me, the drama just got too much. I got tired of hearing it of as a fan. You know, he's, he was a fourth-round guy who panned out, um, and then he starts acting like a drama queen, like he's uh, you know the number one pick. Uh, obviously, Buffalo was looking for a guy like this. You know, they went after Antonio Brown last year. That did not pan out at all for him, clearly. No, didn't. Um, so it surprised me they go after a guy with a little bit of a character issue. But um, he fits in their offense nicely. They got kind of a nice little trio of wide receivers. Um, I think it on paper, it's a win-win for both teams. I think uh, off the field, Josh Allen and Diggs just don't exactly – they're not anything alike. Allen um, with college in Wyoming, just kind of more of a conservative guy. Um, you're never going to see him on social media running up. He's just going to go in and kind of do his job, and Diggs is the exact opposite. Now, on the field, I think they could have a lot of success. Tom Brady's out of the division. Uh, Josh Allen has a strong arm. Diggs is obviously very fast and athletic and, and is very good at what he does. Um, but I think the big question is, is he going to be able to keep his head in the game and go win games for Buffalo and help Josh Allen? And, and that team. And is he going to be able to succeed in the snow and the weather and everything? Um, obviously, I think Minnesota won for sure out of this trade, and especially when you looked at Houston losing so big. Um, you, if you wanted to turn around and, and try and find a new wide receiver, you can do that 22nd overall. Obviously, we're going to probably talk about it in a little bit, but I think the cornerback uh, position is going to need filled too as well. <laughs> so I, I think um, Minnesota's they, they have choices of what they want to do. And now it's to the point of, are they going to make the right choices? And we won't know until we get to the draft, but I think Minnesota won definitely for sure. I think it's the best that they could expect given the situation, given you have a guy that wants out like that and makes it very public that he does want out. You know, it's gotta be a hard spot for a GM to be in. And, and I'm not, I, you know, I don't know necessarily your guys' thoughts on Spielman. And, and I think he, you know, he's had some good moves, bad ones uh, through the years, but, um, he did the best he could do here. You know, there's, it, it reminded me a lot of Percy Harvin, Dave. Do you remember that situation, how Absolutely. that played out? Yep. Yep. Um, kind of a similar, and, and they, they, they remind me of each other too, you know, the way they play in the field. But, um, yeah, he did the best he could do. I, I think uh, he's drafted. They've The Vikings are drafted okay, you know, over the last few years. Um, so hopefully they can do a little bit more with that second first-round pick. Uh, having that will be nice. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. We don't know how when the draft's going to happen or how it's going to happen at this point, but. Um, so if you get, you, you put the, the Vikings in the winner category that in there, do you put the bills in the loser category? Or do you think that they, they made out all right too? 
No, I think they met all right, too. You know, assuming the fit is, is good as far as the uh, quarterback wide receiver wide relationship goes, um, you got John Brown opposite Stefan Diggs. You got two burners on the outside. You know, the, the guy who probably benefits the most from all this is Cole Beasley uh, in slot underneath. I mean, that guy's going to have yeah. looks open for days because of the attention that the outside two guys are going to get. Um, where it might get dicey is, you know, if if he had issues with Kirk Cousins and his accuracy, he's in a whole nother world here with uh, with Josh Allen. Uh, he's going to be able to throw the ball deep, but it's not probably going to go where Stephon Diggs is used to it going. Um, so that's where I kind of see some issues. But, you know, again, they, they got a playmaker that they've clearly been looking for and after. Um, so, you know, before any games are played, I think it's got to be a win for Buffalo. I, I, I That was kind of my first thought about it, too, is that if, you know, he had so many seemingly, I guess, issues with Kirk Cousins or whatever. Um, it, Kirk Cousins is light years ahead of where Allen is right now. You know, Allen's obviously young. I think he has a lot of upside and potential, but you know, he's not there accuracy-wise, and he's definitely not there yet with the deep ball. Um, so I think, you know, he had a hard time those first four games because he only had 19 targets. Um, what's going to happen, you know, in December in the blowing snow and stuff like that in Buffalo? And um, it'll be interesting to say, you know, he's we've said it before on here talking about digs that he's just kind of became that prototypical drama filled, you know, wide receiver. It, it seems to be that, you know, more position that, at that position than anywhere else. So, um, you know, I guess then if we're going to look back then, uh, say goodbye to Diggs. Done talking about him. What would be your 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 most uh, his most remembered moment? I guess for you, I think you remember the most, Ethan. Uh, for for me, it's obviously the miracle. I, I can't mean, think of yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure you guys would have maybe a couple more options, but just as a general uh, NFL fan, and maybe the most biggest impact that shocked the league and everything was the miracle. I mean, it was it was the biggest play, biggest thing that happened in that playoffs. Um, uh, it was. I, I can't think of anything else besides that play that set Minnesota uh, winning that game. I remember one thing. I remember is the uh, um, was it the Broncos game this year where they were down big, and he just went bonkers. Had like three long touchdown. I think it was the Broncos game where they were down twenty-one zip or whatever it was. Dave, am I right there? Yeah, I think yeah, it was the Broncos. Broncos. And he was. just had a couple. Yeah, uh, just absolutely looked like there was no one even covering him in a couple of those ones deep down the field and. And Cousins made some good throws. So I remember, obviously, the Minneapolis miracle. I don't think of that, um, you know, that'll be what he'll be remembered for the most for the rest of Viking history. You know, that's that won't be forgotten. Dave, anything for you? No, it's it's a Minneapolis miracle. Um, I guess maybe a second would have been uh, the picture he took. We happened to be within Sean Payton and the camera after the beat him this year. That was kind of a funny one for me too, just because I don't like Sean Payton, um, where he kind of did the little dance. It looked like he did it in Sean Payton's face, but he said it wasn't. Well, it probably was. So, so. But no, Minneapolis miracle, without a doubt. All right, moving on from Diggs. And the next, uh, probably the next biggest story for the Vikings, at least early in the week, was that Kirk Cousins signed that extension. And Dave, I know you'd had that as a bull prediction at one point. Um, I don't remember exactly what the prediction was, but it was that he was going to sign an extension. Um, I think it took a little longer than we had thought, but things have been crazy uh the extension itself i have the details here yeah uh two extra years he still has another year left so two extra years at 66 million dollars so over the next three years he's going to get a pretty tidy sum of 96 million dollars um and i don't think that would have happened two years ago after the year that he had um but last year did have a good year i think by most by most uh measuring sticks i guess um 
you know, 26 TDs, six interceptions, a 107 QBR. So he's 18, 12, and one in his 31 games with the Vikings, which, you know, maybe isn't exactly what was on the, what they had planned or hoped for when they signed him, you know, coming off that 2017 year where it seemed all that was really missing for the Vikings was a quarterback or steady quarterback. And they thought they had everything else kind of shored up. Um, not that all the, the issues were his obviously two years ago, cause they weren't. Um, but, uh, so he's, he's in Minnesota for three more years. Um, do you like that move, Dave? Do you think it's going to be, uh, and where do you think he can take the Vikings or where should he take the Vikings over the next three years for it to be a success? I like it for this year for sure. I mean, it, it freed up more cap room, which helps, you know, fill a need that they got a lot of needs right now. Um, so they're, they're good. That money's going to get put to good use. Uh, am I convinced he's going to be here for the entirety of the contract? No. You know, I can see him being here this year, you know, next year, probably. Um, that third year is still a little questionable to me of whether he'll still be here uh, or, you know, whether he's traded or uh, maybe even let go due to, to cap restraints down the road too. Um this year, I like it. You know, he, he needs to stay consistent. Uh, they need to find him another wide receiver. Uh, now that Diggs is gone, you know, they got draft picks. They got some flexibility. They got some things they can do. There's free agents out there. Um, to me, I could actually, now that they, you know, they re-signed C.J. Ham, you got two really good tight ends. I can actually see them maybe going a little bit bigger, you know, double tight end or a tight end with an H-back and a fullback and a running back. Um, doing some different sets to try and try and fit his skill set a little bit better. Um, but again, consistency, uh, and as long as he doesn't regress yardage wise and, and actually step up and, and continue to you know play well against the good teams like he did to an extent uh, towards the end of the season. So give it a grade. Uh, the extension, I'd say probably it's got to be at least a B plus just because it gave him so much more flexibility than they had before. So I mean, it had to get done. Um, the terms on it, I'm a little shaky on it. I mean, that's a lot of money again for, for another three years. Yeah, I don't know if he's necessarily worth that money. Um, but the fact that they extended him out and gave him some more flexibility, I guess he'd probably give it a B plus. That's kind of the range I had it in, too, only because it seems like a lot of money. But then you look at some of the money that's being thrown at other quarterbacks that I don't, uh, haven't played as well as he has in the last year. Um, so that money is flying all over for quarterbacks right now, I guess. And whether you, I mean, think about how much money – you know, uh, Case Keenum's made here now. <laughs> and look how much money Sam Bradford made over his career. You know, things yeah. like that. It doesn't always make sense. So what do you got for a grade there, uh, Ethan? Uh, I Initially, I had a B- minus when you first thought about – or when you, when you first asked the question. Um, I mean, like you said, it, I don't think he's going anywhere, at least for the next two years. I think it's going to – uh, for sure put Minnesota that they're still trying to continue to win right now. And then I think they're going to have to back that with a couple of good draft picks and get them some weapons and, and do some stuff and freeing up that cap and everything. Um, but I definitely think he's going to have to continue to put his team. And and I don't think he's been terrible when you play in that NFC North and you play in green Bay and you play in Chicago and, and places like that, they're not bad teams. There's always really good defenses that you're playing against. So I think it's always kind of a different curve when you play in the North. Um, and I think he's done a good job. But again, I've always said that that was an insane deal that he got. And um, continuing that, I guess there he's a Minnesota guy. So ride it out and see what he can do. But he's definitely going to have to start winning and hopefully get a title and, and earn that money. All right, we'll start firing through. There's, there's been a lot of other moves within the organization and not just the Vikings, but 
Um, we'll stick with the Vikings for the end of this this segment here. Um, so I'll rattle through some names quick and tell me if anything kind of really stood out to you. Um, two that were let go. Uh, Xavier Rhodes, maybe not quite as surprising, but Linval Joseph, did that shock you at all, Dave? Uh, a little bit. Uh, I was a big Linval guy. I thought he played really well for the Vikings for the last couple of years. Um, you know, he basically was a casualty, a little bit of the cap, and maybe the dollar value he was at the age he is. Um, and as we'll talk about here in a little bit, you know, they found a, a very uh, valuable replacement, albeit, you know, not that far up, I think, dollar-wise. But, but uh, yeah, cap casualty and maybe even age casualty as far as signing somebody for long term. I saw that Rhodes had some rumors about going to the Jets. I thought that was an interesting landing spot for him. But um, I think most <laughs> – I feel like we talked about plenty during the, during the year uh, about infuriating it was to watch him at times. Um, you know, so maybe – Maybe a little bit of that drama out of there. Maybe a little bit of the Diggs drama out there will be good for the for the group as a whole. Um, I think you're referring to the Michael Pierce signing. Is that what you're talking about? Yep. Um, and I don't know what your thoughts are on, on that. I I don't know enough. You know, I mean, I obviously read up on him and things like that coming from the Ravens. Um, you know, six feet, 340 pounds. So he's a haul. He's 27 years old. He's old, he's started half of his game. He's played 60 games. He started half of them. He's a run stopper. He's not a, you know, get after the quarterback kind of guy. Uh, he's only had three and a half sacks in his entire career. Um, so what about what about him do you like, then? The, the, the fact that he eats up blocks. He's a space eater, like you said, uh, which is going to allow a guy like Kendricks, a guy like Barr, to use their speed to their their you know, to their greatest asset. They're actually able to use it now. Um, you know, an interesting thing, he came from a 3-4 defense. The Vikings have Don Capers on staff now, who is a 3-4 guru. Yeah. Um, so we'll be interesting to see if they do try and mesh in some three, four um, with some of their defensive schemes they have, you know, but, but the biggest thing is he's coming from a, a defense where they start, they were number five against the run in a traditionally a run stopping defense. He's going to bring a little bit of attitude, uh, but the guy's just a, a beast. You know, like you said, six foot, 345 pounds. Uh, his, you know, there's, there's videos all over the place regarding how strong the guy is. Um, and how he basically will just, you know, anger in and he just, they just can't move him, which is going to allow a guy like Kendricks to Kendricks to uh, figure out which hole that running back's going or on a blitz, get around and do the damage that, that he can do because of his speed. Anything about Joseph Rhodes or Pierce stand out to you, Ethan? Just the fact that he's going to be able to clog everything up in the middle. Like you said, he's a very large human being. Um, I never watched him a whole lot at the Ravens, but to be able to clog that stuff up and free up, like, uh, like, like you said, to get the linebackers and, and everything more involved, a little bit more time, and get get blocking off their back. I think he's obviously going to be a huge help there on the D line. Uh, CJ Ham signed a, and, and I was really happy to see this. Uh, you know, he's a Duluth native, went to Augustana, so you got to cheer for him there. Um, he lives next door to my sister in Egan, uh, or no, in Rose Rosemont. Um, he three years, nine million dollars. You know, he's twenty six, but he had a heck of a year last year, and it's fun to see a guy like him succeed. And then, you know, turn on and get paid like that um, for a fullback. I mean, that you don't see that a whole lot anymore. Um, you know, that tells you that Cook loves running with them. Um, you know, Adrian Peterson was kind of the same way, too. He was one of those guys that just liked having a fullback. There aren't a lot of them left that really like that. Um, but, no, and, and he caught some big – some big uh, had some big catches out of the backfield and things like that and and was a, was a strength in the screen game. And so, yeah, it was nice to see. Um, Dave, I think you're a, you're a big CJ Ham guy too, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. And you know, like you just said, he's, he made himself an offensive weapon, not just a, a legit blocker, but a, but an actual offensive weapon. 
you see San Francisco utilize their fullback. Uh, I'm not even going to try and pronounce the guy's name, but the, the white guy with the Jujuruski or something like that. Um, I, I can see them using C.J. Ham a lot more this year than they did um, last year. You know, they used him a lot towards the end of the season, but really not much at the beginning. I think that's going to change. I think he's going to be uh, by no means a center point of their offense, but uh, certain situations, you know, third down situations where you might not expect it, he might be a guy that might shine a little bit. Um, okay, so then the, the next part, and and this is what um, is is kind of interesting to take a look at, and it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. I saw a funny meme today of uh, that last scene in Fresh Prince of Bel Air where Will Smith is standing in the in the living room looking around. There's nothing. There's nobody in there. Nothing in there. And it's it said Anthony Harris walking in to the uh, to the <laughs> the DB meeting or whatever next year. There isn't anybody left really. Um, Mackenzie Alexander uh, signed with Cincinnati, one year, four million dollars. Trey Wayne's also went to Cincinnati, three years, forty-two million dollars, which was a little bit uh, shocking. It would have been nice to see him come back because I think he's come a long ways, but that's way too much money. Um, J. Ron Curse got a one-year deal for two two point seven five in Detroit, and they did tag Anthony Harris, which initially thought, okay, well, that, that's how serious they are about keeping him. Um, but I've read a lot of rumors that they tagged him and and now have uh, have been looking to shop him around a little bit. Um, and one of the landing spots they talked about was the Browns. Well, the Browns just signed Andrew Sandeo today. Um, so he's probably not going there. Um, I, I know, you, Dave, you'd probably like to see the Vikings hold on to him, especially given uh, that they're dropping like flies in the secondary. But um, what 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 moves or what would you like to see happen? Because there just isn't a lot of bodies there anymore. Um, the minutes are th- that they're going to have to replace in the secondary are, are unbelievable right now. So is there uh, any moves that you see on the horizon or things that you think they could do? Well, you know, they, like you said, there, there's a lot of holes to fill between, um, you know, with, with Everson Griffin not coming back, apparently they got a defensive end spot they got to fill. Um, we know we need an upgrade to offensive line. Basically, you need two cornerbacks uh, unless you're counting on Marcus Hughes to, to actually be a starter this year, which we didn't really see much of that evidence last year. No. Um, so the interesting thing with Harris, you know, if, if you can trade him uh, and if for a draft pick, it gives you a little more flexibility in the draft um, to move up and maybe get a guy to fill a wide receiver spot or to, to fill an elite cornerback starter spot. Um, you, you'd shed 11 mil off and, and you'd probably fill in with somebody a little bit cheaper. Uh, the Vikings got six and a half million cap right now. That's including what they would be allotted for if they kept all their current draft picks. Um, that doesn't leave you a whole lot of money to sign an elite cornerback or, no. or even a, a good cornerback. Um, you know, Mackenzie Alexander signing a one-year deal with four for four million dollars with Cincinnati uh, sure makes the guy say, "Damn, you know why? Why didn't we re-sign him? Because he he's showing some promise for four mil. That's you know at least it would have been nothing else. Depth." Um, and curse, market, curse too. Market, and curse too. Curse. I think curse. It's kind of said even Miller last year that he was he was done once. You know, he was tired of Minnesota. But you you look at the the cornerback market and there's not a whole lot of guys you say, man, I really want that guy. Um, of the options, you look at a guy like Ronald Darby, who, to be quite honest, was pretty terrible last year in Philadelphia for the first two thirds of the season. Um, but then the end of the year, he showed to be quite a bit better. Uh, he was coming off. This was his first season off an ACL injury. Um, so I have read some reports that they actually figure he's actually one of the better values out there right now as far as starting quality cornerback. So that might be an option. Um, wide receivers, if you're looking to fill there, uh, 
uh, it depends on how much baggage you want to take on. You know, they just change it so there's no more marijuana suspensions. <laughs> on a guy like Josh Gordon, who uh, a bunch of baggage, but you probably get him real cheap and high risk, high reward because the guy's got talent. Uh, and same thing with a guy like Robbie Anderson. So I, I think you got to pick out one of the spots and, and fill it through free agency uh, with, with a quality, quality starter. And then the rest of them, you know, do what you can through the drafts uh, or, or maybe even cheap, you know, depth free agents and hope one of them, one of them splashes. Maybe it, it may be, you know, an option because the draft that's kind of an interesting option is Diggs brother out of Alabama, I thought. Yep. And, you know, so I don't know what your thoughts on the secondary, Ethan, anything that you were kind of stood out to you. I mean, I don't, I don't know what is really left to go after and get. I mean, it's, everything's kind of hit and miss and it kind of contradicts the win now mentality. When you go into the draft, you have tons of picks, but are, are you going to be able to make a third round, fourth round guy? You know, at that point you're kind of, you're hitting and missing. You're saying, well, he'll be able to play, but is he going to play at an elite level or is our defense going to be able to solidify what our offense can do? You know, it's just, it's, it's a tough situation because you have the draft picks to go get it. And luckily two first rounds and some extra ones to, to help. But I think you'll probably, um, like you said, go have to get one more guy with the cap that's left. And then hopefully what, what, whatever you can do in the draft, hopefully it pans out. Yeah. it's a good point about, you know, just because the picks don't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to compete come September. You know, I mean, look at Trey Waynes. He was a first round pick. Was he not? How many years did it take him to be, you know, a, a key contributor? Uh, a number of years. It took two or three years. Um, and uh, just to seemingly clear out all of that, uh, pretty much uh, that they had left from that uh, great 2017 defense, Everson Griffin is, was let go as well. Or they, they let him go. Um, they allowed him to seek out uh, free agency. He said his goodbyes today on Instagram, which makes it official, I guess, if you say goodbyes on Instagram. So, <laughs> Um, the last thing here, and we only got a couple minutes left for the Vikings section, and that is I wanted to see if you guys had any names or thoughts for filling the wide receiver position because I looked at a couple names through the draft um, that were interesting. Can, if, we're, if we're assuming they're not going to move up, if they're going to keep their 23rd and, and or 22nd and 24th pick, um, what names might be available? Um, you know, I don't know. Justin Jefferson at LSU was really interesting. Uh, he had 111 catches last year. You know, that's pretty incredible. I know that they threw the ball 70 times a game, but uh, that's pretty impressive. Um, Denzel Mims out of Baylor was another big name. Uh, T. Higgins from Clemson. I got to see him a little bit. Um, and then, the, you know, the Minnesota fan in me is really interested by Tyler Johnson as well. And I think, you know, that's probably a little bit more just being a Gopher fan and wanting to see him do well. And it'd be fun to see him in a Vikings uniform. Um, but he's slated actually to go in the third or fourth round. You know, he had the most storied career uh, – in, in gopher history and he slated for a third or fourth rounder. So I think that that's definitely somebody that would be worth looking at, you know, six, two had 33 touchdowns in college, 213 receptions, set a whole bunch of records at the U. Um, I think that would be a fun one. Uh, if it gets a little bit later in that second day or whatever, and he still hasn't been picked up, especially with the, a lot of the later round draft picks the Vikings have. Are there any, are there any wide out names that you looked at at all, Ethan? I didn't, I haven't, I haven't looked at, um, uh, draft boards or anything where where they haven't projected at. I know Higgins from Clemson would be a good weapon. Um, uh, seems like Clemson, Alabama, SEC schools, ACC schools always knock out a couple great wide receivers. But like you said, if you can fall back, grab a Minnesota native, and <laughs> I there's no wrong really in that. I believe Thielen, where did he go? 
He went to the Mankato. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> and he's been that good too. So I think you're going to, if you want to go spend higher draft picks, I'd go after defense. And I, I feel like personally, wide receivers typically pan out more from the third, fourth, fifth round than, I mean, your, your first rounder is always going to be good, but I feel like you have better luck reaching that far down into the draft and, and having them still be ready on game day week one. Yeah, it's a deep it's a deep draft for wideouts this year too. Dave, anything from you? No, I, I think a lot of the same thing that you just said too. Uh, unless you're able to get a C.D. Lamb, a Jerry Judy, or that Justin Jefferson, um, I, I think you do wait. And maybe that's just as a Vikings fan, I've, I've been stake bitten by a LaCroix Redwell and a Cordero yeah. Patterson where we pick him in the end of the first round and it's like, well, you, know, you shouldn't even have took this guy in the third round based off of what you see. Um, so I, I think... I think, I think Treadwell's can, best days are still can, ahead of if him. If you can fill, if you can fill starter, <laughs> wide receiver, you know, through free agency, and then maybe pick up a guy third, fourth round, you know, depending on how everything shakes out for depth. Uh, it just doesn't seem like a lot of these first round wide receivers fully pan out. You know, uh, maybe a year or two down the road, but not right away. Things just kind of seem to be changing as far as the NFL as a whole goes. Um, so if you can't get one of the top three, I wouldn't mind waiting. And feeling other needs, you know, especially offensive line. There seems to be a slug of them kind of around that that uh, mid twenties range. Uh, and really, they could still tackle guard. Uh, either way, would be just fine for depth. Uh, I'm a little bummed. That, you know, one of the guys I had my eye on was Joe Haig, obviously former NDSU guy, um, but he can play anywhere. He was a backup with the Colts just because their starting offensive line was so good. Uh, he would have been a really good fit. He signed for two and a half mil today, and he's going to start for Tampa Bay on the right side. Wow. Um, they, I, they missed out. I think they missed out on that one there. Um, I hate to cut you off, Dave, but we're just about at the very end here. Sure. So no, we'll carry it. We'll, no, we'll yeah. carry it on into the NFL section uh, next year. We're just about ready to run out of time. So um, coming back for that second segment. Welcome back to episode 15. Uh, second segment here. We're just going to do a whole bunch of different NFL news because there's been a ton of it. It's really been the only thing to kind of watch on TV here. Um, as the NFL news. So the biggest story, obviously, is the Brady deal. Um, the deal was became official today. Uh, he signed with Tampa Bay. I don't know how shocked you guys were by that, but I was a little bit. Uh, two years, $50 million guaranteed, $9 million in incentives. You wouldn't think that that would matter a ton to a, you know, a guy like Brady. Um, but I actually think money did play a pretty big factor in it. Um, he was slated or at least it looked like he was slated to get somewhere between 15 to 20 million in new England where then you go and you turn that around and you take $30 million uh, in Tampa where there are no, there's no income tax in Florida. So that makes a big deal too, a big difference, but it does a number of different things. One, it's a seismic shift now in the AFC. I think um, we'd already kind of seen that obviously with, with Baltimore and, and Kansas city last year that there was already shifting, but um, now there is, especially that NFC East or that AFC East now, you know, looking at Buffalo and talk about Buffalo and things like that too, how that's open for the first time in what feels like 20 years, I guess. Seems like it. Um, it shows you, if you didn't already know, that Belichick really is just about football. You know, he's not about sentimentality. Uh, when people there have outgrown their usefulness, they've, they've been gone. You know, Randy Moss, Teddy Bruschi, even Vinatieri, you know, who's gone on and had a great second career with the Colts. Uh, it looked like he had run, you know, his usefulness out, and then and that was it for him there. So, um, it brings up a couple of different questions. One, and you know, my my first thought is, who in the world is going to want to fill fill in there? <laughs> Who's going to want to be that next quarterback in? Because it's a feel like it's a lose lose situation. 
you know, anything that goes poorly, anything goes wrong, it's, you know, it's going to be their fault and it's going to be, he's obviously going to be prepared to Brady no matter what he does. Um, and, and so that'll be interesting. You know, Brady didn't want to be franchised. That was part of the deal that he made last year when he re-signed, re-upped. It was that they couldn't franchise him. Um, you know, he there there was a, quite a big decline in, in 2019 for him. I think fantasy owners know, found that out that drafted him high, uh, that there was a big fall off. Um, their offense really sputtered towards the end of the year. His off-target rate was 21%, um, which was the highest of his career. Um, you know, obviously he was missing Gronkowski. They struggled with play action. Uh, his QBR and play, and I was interested to read this, his QBR and play action was 93. Um, the league average was 105. You know, and if you look at a guy like Cousins, his was sky high on play action. Um, he did, you know, really poor against the blitz, against blitz and pressure. And that's not a surprise. He's never been mobile. Um, 25th in passer rating in the league under pressure. Um, and, you know, so before we kind of get into what it's going to be like for him in Tampa, um, looking at that side of it, the initial deal and what your thoughts are when you heard it was Tampa Bay. Um, what kind of stood out, Ethan? I was shocked. I, I, I guess Tampa Bay was on the radar. I mean, obviously um, you, you listen to a lot of the reports and everything and everyone was saying, well, you know, he's holding, holding the NFL hostage. Well, he wasn't holding teams like Baltimore, Green Bay, Minnesota, um, teams like that hostage, they were going to go on and do what they needed because they didn't need Brady or they weren't going to waste their time with him. But um, Oakland, teams like that, honestly, my front runner was San Francisco, and I thought Jimmy G was just going to go back and take over. He knew the New England offense. He knows Bill Belichick. He knows um, what what it's all about there. So I know it was kind of out in left field as that sounded. That was still what I thought was going to happen. Then I heard Tampa Bay, and knowing that Tom Brady's still an avid pusher of getting A.B. back, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is, is that something Tampa Bay obviously knows that they're going to have to try and, and work with if that's something that he really wants. Um, obviously, they're a big winner. They got one of the greatest quarterbacks still playing. Um, but his rushing, like you said, not mobile. I think he just broke a thousand career rushing yards this season. 20 years. Being in there for 20 years, which is insane. Um, but I, I don't it, – it, it shocked me to say the least. Dave? Yeah, you know, I, I was pretty stunned when you hear Tampa Bay too, and then I remembered they have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, uh, two of the best wide receivers in the NFL, two of the most athletic wide receivers in the NFL, which makes that uh, possible dip in accuracy kind of a, a non-point. Uh, when I heard he was not going back to New England, uh, I think even on this show, I've been a little critical about you know Brady being named the best ever. The, the stats are there, the Super Bowl rings are there. But playing for this in the same system his entire career, really unlike any other quarterback that you can ever name, um, yeah, I, I wanted to see him in a different system to maybe kind of prove something. He, he's going to be able to prove a little bit, but to me, to have two guys like that, I mean, Jameis Winston just threw for 30 touchdowns like that. Man, I sent you guys legally blind. Um, <laughs> so, you know, what, what's Tom Brady going to be able to do? Is it going to be all Tom? It might be more of the receivers, but I mean, it's a good spot for him. It's exciting for the NFL. To me, it relating it back to the Vikings. There's a lot of NFC teams that are, are really jumping up here, and you look at the holes the Vikings got. And that's where you start kind of worrying about this win now situation for the Vikes. Uh, Tampa Bay is going to if if Antonio Brown actually does show up like the rumors are, that offense is going to be absolutely impossible to stop uh, by by anybody. So it. If they can, you know, I was surprised 
they didn't go after Gurley. That's what, yeah, um, that was my thought. Or, or Melvin Gordon. You know, if they, if they added an actual decent running back, uh, who's going to stop that offense? Yeah, you know, and you mentioned right away that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are, are uh, going to be fun for him to play with. Uh, you know, Godwin on the side, he's going to be an even better version of Edelman. Um, you know, looking at comparisons between Winston and Brady, aside from the age, the, the striking age, it's just that striking and, and talent and things like that as well. Brady makes much better decisions, obviously, as Winston. You know, he threw 30 touchdowns and first ever 30 touchdowns and 30 yeah. picks in the same year. Um, he's got a couple good tight ends, too, and Cameron Braid and O.J. Howard, uh, big ones that can help him down in the red zone. Red zone is a place that he really struggled last year. Um, you know, the biggest questions are, one, is Tampa Bay's line going to hold up for him, talking about him not being mobile? Um, they do have a couple uh, decent interior linemen, but they str- they struggled last year on the outside. Um, and, and not that he gets out of the pocket a whole lot, but, um, you know, it – they're thin at the tackles. You know, Bruce, the system is good, though. The system is the right kind of system for him. Um, you know, Bruce Arians, he, he likes to throw the ball deep. You know, he won in Arizona with an aging Carson Palmer. Um, he doesn't have to change his whole scheme, you know, the, for Brady. They send five guys out, guys out on routes on most, you know, on most plays. So it's going to work for him. Um, it's going to be even better for the for the the organization and the city as a whole. Tampa Bay was 31st in attendance last year. You know, this will immediately. I, I was reading about how how quick the all the season tickets went and the the, the line now waiting for them. Um, you know, boost that. Yeah, jersey sales are huge. Um, they're going to have new jerseys. I was reading they're going to have new jerseys next year. And I'm really hoping they bring back the cream skulls. Oh, I hope so too. That would be that'd be a nice one to have. Um, best throwback ever. You know, so having having the national attention. They haven't made the playoffs since 2007. It's the second longest of any NFL team. Um, you know, not since they were, you know, they had that Super Bowl winning team. Was that in seven? That might have been a couple years before that. No. Warren Sapp years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, seven was the last time they were the, to the playoffs. Um, they're going to have fans all over the country now that they, you know, never had before. Um, and I, I actually talked about this the other day when it first happened um, on, on the radio in winter, and that is. I, I wondered if this was something that maybe veterans now are going to look to Tampa and maybe want to, you know, think about going there. And sure enough, with, within 24 hours of that, um, there was rumors that there have been veterans that have been on the horn and gotten a hold of some people there and uh, are looking to go there. And so maybe people taking cuts on deals and things like that to go and try and win. Um, their defense, you know, statistically wasn't great, but last year at the end of the year, they were top five by some stats you know, Winston put them in a in a really tough spot as a defense. When you're turning, you're throwing thirty picks, and he had seven pick six last year. Seven, um, you know, so that hard to register that way. But they're going to be better, um, not making so many mistakes in the offensive end. But you know, either way, it's going to be fun to watch. I think the biggest, my biggest question out of all this though, is who has more to prove, Belichick or Brady? Who has more to prove that they can win without the other one? I think it's even. I honestly think it is. I don't think anyone holds higher flame everything they've done has been done together um being a player tom needs to now go out there and prove that what he's done is because he's the greatest player one of the greatest players um and as belichick he needs to prove that he's now one of the greatest coaches and it's going to be exciting to see and i i think tom will have a lot more success but belichick being belichick i don't think he's you know he's not going to flop either it'll be interesting but they both have a lot to prove i don't think either one of them has to go 
try and do more than the other. I don't think Brady. I don't think there's any way you can probably tarnish Brady's reputation at this point or his his you know spot in history. Um, but it will be interesting, you know, especially not knowing who the quarterback is going to be in New England uh, to see if Belichick does flop a little bit this year. You know, I know that the rest of the league is waiting for it. <laughs> They've been waiting 20 years for it. So, Dave, what do you think? Who has more to prove? You know, I kind of alluded to it a little bit. You know, I do think Brady does have some to prove more, maybe more than Belichick. You know, Belichick always had rock-solid defenses through the whole whole time to New England, too. So, I mean, the New England Patriots as a whole team were just very, very good year in, year out. Um, the the a couple times Tom Brady did miss games through the plate gate. I think he was injured another year between Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, they never missed a beat offensively. That, that gave me a little bit of pause as far as the system goes. Well, is it really Tom Brady or is it more the system? Um, so I'm anxious to see how well he does. To me, I think there's a little more pressure on Brady. Um, but, you know, if whoever fills that, you know, to me, the biggest pressure I think is probably going to on whoever fills in that quarterback in New England. Um, because he's going to have big shoes to fill. There's not going to be patience for for anything um, in Belichick's system. So whoever fills that spot's probably got more pressure than anybody. I yeah, I definitely did not envy that spot. Okay, other other things that happened in the NFL um, this week. Probably the biggest. Whoa, you know, uh, looks like somebody lost that deal, and that is the the, the DeAndre Hopkins one where uh, Houston sent um, him and a fourth round pick to Arizona. And Arizona somehow miraculously unloaded David Johnson's monster contract onto them um, and a second round pick and an, and a fourth round pick um, in next year. Um, so and I think there's a lot of shock when it came to that. Um, you know, I don't know if any of you guys have any insight or anything in that, but what in the world was Houston thinking when that happened? I haven't read anything further than um, kind of just the, the outside of it. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, there has to be something that we don't know that why this trade took place. It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I, I don't even know what to think about it. And I'm happy I'm not a Houston fan. Kyler Murray's got to be ecstatic though. And now he's got some things to, to work with too. But Dave, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I think it was Michael Irvin. It came out. I didn't catch the whole thing, but he alluded to some conversation yeah. media that Bill O'Brien had had in referring to the meeting as not having to have a meeting like this since Aaron Hernandez. Yep. Um, so I, I obviously things must have spiraled downhill pretty quick there. Um, I think Hopkins was looking for $18, $20 million extension too. To, to me, the whole thing is bizarre. Uh, you know, you're, you're getting David Johnson, who back in 2016 was a, one of the best running backs in the league, but that was four years ago. Mm-hmm. He was hurt. He really hasn't came back. He was hurt most of the year this year, played through injury. Um, you know, he, he, if that's the, the route they want to go with their offense, where they're going to run the offense through the running back with handing the ball or throwing the ball, I guess you can, you can say to an extent, maybe it makes some sense, but what they, what they gave up along with Hopkins to get Johnson makes no sense to me. Um, I guess that's what you get for having a coach who's your GM also, you know, he's, he's the, the land and the law. And yeah, they didn't, fans. that didn't work out with the Wolves and Thibodeau either, did it? No, I sure did. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that conversation, or that you know, Michael Irvin said he had talked to DeAndre Hopkins, and he he said that Bill O'Brien had referenced Aaron Hernandez during a meet, which is awful enough. Um, and then was also critical of him having children with multiple women at the same time, which 
I, yeah, I, I can maybe see a little bit then why, why things happened the way that they did after that, but it makes you appreciate a little bit more what the Vikings did get in return for um, Stefan Diggs there. All right, Phillip Rivers, one year, $25 million for the Colts. Good deal. Bad deal. Not a terrible deal. $25 million is a lot of money. I think, <laughs> I mean, I'd be happy to take that. Not for Rivers. How about for the Colts? Well, I think it's good for the Colts that they didn't have to go long-term with anything. Phillip Rivers is obviously aging. Uh, he's himself. I've never been a huge Phillip Rivers fan. I've been kind of back and forth with just watching him play and, and kind of attitude that he has. Um, I think I think one of you guys joked about just doubled the population with, with his Dave. family moving in. <laughs> um, I don't think it was a bad deal for either one of them. I think he gets his a good money. They get a short term and see maybe what they can do with the draft or or see um, free agency next year or how it's going to pan out or give them some room. I don't think it was a terrible deal on either side. Yeah, I've never been much of a Phil Rivers guy. You know, to me, throughout his career, like what you saw against the Vikings this year, just bad decisions or, or bad throws. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely not going to step in and be what, you know, Andrew Luck should have been for that franchise. It's a little surprising to me that they pulled the plug so quickly on Jacoby Brissett. And maybe they won't. Maybe this is just literally straight a one-year stopgap where they think they might have a chance um, to, to make some noise with the defense they got. But, I don't know, um, 25 mil for a guy who's probably going to throw a bunch of interceptions. Uh, but maybe maybe they move Brissett and they get some picks out of it, and, it you know, it, it works out for them. I guess we'll see. All right, Cam Newton, he uh, – there's been a little bit of drama there, obviously, too, when they went and um, got Teddy Bridgewater, which it, I guess I didn't really have that down for a talking point, but that's maybe a good one, too, in coming weeks about how you think he's going to do there in Carolina. But, all right, so Cam on the way out. Um, some of the teams I just wrote down, possibilities for him, Washington, New England, Miami, Jacksonville, Las Vegas, Denver, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. Any of those hit you guys as good spots for him? I couldn't find a good spot for him. I think the three teams that I wrote down were um, the Redskins, Chargers, Patriots. He just doesn't seem like the guy that Bill Belichick would want in New England. I think maybe if he had to get by for a year, I just don't see it happening. Um, the Redskins, don't they have like three quarterbacks right now on their roster with with counting Alex Smith coming back um, with the unknown about that? You know, they're going after two or two, aren't they? And yeah, yeah, exactly. And that 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 too. So, I mean, I, I just don't know with L.A. or with the Chargers moving. That could be a spot. I thought maybe Chicago, but then they went and made a move anyway. So I don't know. I think Cam Newton just might be out. You know, I'm, I mean, he'll find a spot, but. I don't know if he's going to be starting anywhere. Dave, anywhere for him to go? It, yeah, I got. I had nothing either. I kind of looked around. You know, Washington was the only one that really made any type of sense to me. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know if health-wise he's going to have to prove he's healthy for for a team to take a chance on him. The big thing with him is his legs. His legs were such an asset to him that, you know, he's not the most accurate guy. He's got a strong arm but not real accurate. But his, his legs are a massive bonus and a game changer. And if he can't use those, uh, you know, he, he loses a lot of his ability to be a functional quarterback in the NFL. Uh, he's, to me, like you said, he's not, a, he's not a fit for new England. He's the most glaring quarterback need out there. Um, the Chargers have pretty much already said they're not interested in him, which to me was surprising. Uh, they're either going quarterback in the first round or they're going to go with Tyrod Taylor. Well, Cam's better than Tyrod Taylor by a long shot. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, you know, a while back, 
and thinking about the Vikings and Kirk Cousins and his total lack of mobility and how that does hinder the offense they tried to run. In my head, I just kind of thought, you know, a mobile quarterback would be fairly ideal. Um, I'm not saying Cam's a guy they shouldn't do anything to go after Cam, but but uh, if a team came calling for Kirk Cousins, I might have a hard time not listening. Uh, Kirk Cousins would actually be a pretty dang good fit in the New England offense. Yeah, he would. Um, I would be that. very hesitant to make any deal with them because it seems like New England always gets the better of the deals. <laughs> Um, but it's just just something food for thought, something to kick around, not necessarily even this year, but next year. Because now I don't know what New England's going to do for quarterback. All right, I'm going to see if you guys have any idea what in the world Chicago is doing right now. Um, they are really hard to figure out. Um, it's kind of fun to watch them unravel a little bit, I guess, as an NFC North fan. But um, they trade a fourth rounder to Jacksonville for Nick Foles, which I don't know. I guess every time people count him out, he has a nice little run. But um, And then they signed 33-year-old Jimmy Graham for $16 million in two years. Um, you know, he had 38 catches last year at Green Bay. Obviously, he's on the, in the twilight of his career. Um, you know, they've thrown some money at some folks that are kind of questionable, and, and it's hard to tell. Um, Chase Daniels just signed with somebody I saw today. He's out. Detroit. He signed with Detroit. You know, so um, – it, I, I don't know. Does anybody have any insight into what some of the thinking might be behind Nick Foles or Jimmy Graham? I no, I don't. Um, I think they ended up they signed Jimmy Graham for just as much as the Trey Burton's, right? Sixteen million for yeah. two years. Yeah. yeah, I believe they matched the contract. And what I read on ESPN was that they felt obligated to do so with bringing him in. And I have no idea why. With Jimmy didn't hardly do anything in Green Bay, and he was on his downfall. What was Green Bay got him from Seattle, I think. He hadn't really done anything since New Orleans, and now they're matching their top tight end contract with him to bring him in for two years. I don't. They just don't like money. Apparently, they don't like winning. I, I don't. I don't know. Could it work out? It, it, I'm not saying they not. I, they could be a surprise team with Nick Foles there. Um, I just. I definitely don't see them winning the NFC North. And the worse they can continue to do, or the more insane they continue to be. Like you said, I'm, I'm on the same fence as you guys uh, being a Green Bay fan, NFC North fan. Uh, absolutely. Just keep doing whatever you're doing, guys, and <laughs> you can compete for a uh, third spot with Detroit. All right. Uh, Melvin Gordon, just the last two things real quick. Dave, I'll ask you. Melvin Gordon today to Denver, Todd Gurley to Atlanta. Uh, good landing spots for those two? Uh, if, if Todd Gurley's healthy, that is a fantastic spot for, for Atlanta. Um, you pair him up with the wide receivers they got, and that offense just got a lot better too. Um, not that Deontay Freeman was not a good running back, but if Todd Gurley can get healthy, or maybe he was healthy and they just didn't utilize him last year, um, that's that's a dynamic offense, especially with the screen game that he can run with Julio and Calvin Ridley on the outside. Um, that's another offense that's, that's going to keep defensive coordinators up at night. Uh, Melvin Gordon one made me scratch my head a little bit. You know, Philip Lindsay is, is a pretty good running back. And I just don't see why Gordon would want to sign there. I mean, he, he to me, he's not the outright starter. Um, he's going to have to battle Lindsay in camp for the starting position. You know, a, a place, again, like Tampa Bay, to me, would have been much better fit for him. Um, maybe he wouldn't have got the money, but you would have been in a lot better situation than Denver. So a little bit surprising. Uh, but I guess I guess we'll see how it shakes out. It's just been the way that Todd Gurley has been handled by the Rams the last two years has just been kind of baffling, I think, for everybody. And there's never there was never any real answers as to why 
his numbers were down and why his carries and stuff like that were down after his injury, um, whether he just never came fully back and they just didn't, they weren't honest about it or what, but it was always a little bit baffling to, to watch. How about you? What do you think of those, those two running back moves? I think, yeah, Gurley uh, making the move to Atlanta is a better fit for him. Um, good fit, good win for Atlanta. And, yeah, it kind of shook my head. I, I don't know with Gordon with some injury problems, um, lack of performance. I, 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 it just doesn't make sense. Or if they're going to try and do something with Lindsay that isn't out there yet or, or what the plan is, I don't know. I mean, obviously, um, we're not the big shots that know a lot of insight. I don't have anyone to text but you guys, and you, you guys <laughs> seem to know just a, a tad bit more than me. Um, but I don't, I don't know what the plan is overall there. I think Lindsay's got a big future. I mean, I think he's in a, I, I think he's got a good future ahead of him too. I think he had a down year last year, but I don't see any reason why he'd be bringing someone like Melvin Gordon in to compete. All right, anything I'm missing there in the NFL news before we move on, guys? Anything you have written down that we didn't get to? I guess the only other thing would be, you know, Jameis Winston still needs a home too. Yeah. I mean, once he gets his eyesight fixed, you know, there's no reason he can't go for a. Thirty and twenty-five. <laughs> Minnesota backup. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't. I don't know if that'd be the best fit. But all right, uh, that's it for NFL. We're going to come back with our, our final uh, talking segment about um, coronavirus and how it's affecting sports. Welcome back to maybe next year, our, our final talking point tonight. We're going to talk about, well, what's the biggest story, obviously, uh, not just in sports, but in the, in, in the world um, and is affecting every, every part of life. Uh, and that is uh, the COVID-19. And as it has spread throughout the United States here, um, we've seen a lot of kind of unthinkable things happen, particularly in the sporting world as well. Um, if you were to rewind, you know, we haven't been on the air since kind of everything uh, hit the fan that evening um, during the Nuggets game. Um, who were the Nuggets playing that night? Do you remember? I don't. I, I don't. Um, but they, the, the players came out, they were warming up, and then the refs came out and told them to go back to the locker room. Um, eventually, um, they told the fans to leave. And as everybody's scrambling to try and figure things out, uh, you know, that's the thing about – technology now is when something like that happens it's on every channel and it's on, you know, on Twitter and everywhere. So everybody's trying to figure things out together. Um, it turned out they found out that one of the players on the nuggets who turned out to be Rudy Gobert had tested positive for coronavirus. Um, jazz, Kurt. jazz and OKC. Okay. So it was the jazz. Yeah. Um, and so they found out that he had tested positive and, um, and then there was kind of this really, really eerie clip that was released of him the night before, two nights before, I think, where he was being interviewed by reporters and um, was joking around about it, not taking it seriously, obviously. And he made sure that he jokingly touched the microphone and all the people's phones and stuff like that on the way out. Um, you know, that was one of those things that didn't age well. No. Um, you know, so, and it was, and we were just saying there, it was like a 45 minute period there where, where life was just surreal watching it all play out. Um, how it went from that game to then all of a sudden, um, other games across the league. And then all of a sudden the NBA shutting down um, that quickly. And then that night, the jazz and the nuggets, those, those players were all kept. They were quarantined in their locker rooms while they were all tested. They were there till the next day. Um, and since then we've seen all kind of, you know, names, uh, his teammate um, Donovan Mitchell 
tested positive. Uh, and then, you know, in the, in the following days, uh, Kevin Durant and three other Nets, uh, Marcus Smart, that was yesterday, 376ers, uh, Detroit Pistons, Christian Woods, two LA Lakers. Um, and, and that's just the NBA, you, you know, and, and they were the first one to shut. And then kind of uh, in, in pretty quick succession, bang, 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 uh, Major League shuts down spring training. Um, NCAA, which is the, the last one we'll talk about here and how that is affecting things. But um, all of a sudden, all winter sports championships go. I know NCAA tournament, that was, that was, you know, that was within 24 hours too when that happened, um, how shocking that was. Um, and, and on down the line, and now everything is shut down. And, and, you know, if you've watched TV over the last week, you know that, that there isn't anything left going on and rightfully so they've they've made the right decision it was just staggering how quickly it all happened you know from them pulling the jazz and the nuggets off the court to every major sporting venue every major sport uh shutting down you know and and not having any kind of end in sight or any kind of answers as to where we're going to go from here um you know a the the delays and stuff like that you know I've, i've read a few things uh, what different leagues are, are thinking in particular, you know, if you're looking at the, the NBA, um, they've talked, if there is, you know, they, they do have the ability to come back at some point, um, maybe just picking up the year with only the 16 teams that are qualified, would have qualified uh, for the playoffs, um, having a couple regular season games at the end there, and then going into a shortened uh, playoff system with five, best of five instead of best of seven. But that's a big if, that's a huge if. Um, Major League Baseball, they have, they've announced that they're going to pay their minor leagues through April 8th, uh, which is when they would have been done, and then have to make some decisions after that what's going to happen. Um, the, the possible return, uh, I guess if we, we don't have, there just isn't any precedence for this. There isn't anything to look at and say, okay, well, we handled it this way. You know, it's never happened before. Um, if you're going to look at anything, I guess you could look at the 1995 strike year for baseball. Um, they started on April 25th that year, and they, they shortened it to 144 games. Baseball's not going to be back on April 25th. Um, so if you're going to do that, I did a little bit of the math. Um, and it, if So we need 144 games starting on April 25th, and then what they played last year for time-wise for their 162 games, it averages out to about 0.87 games a day during the regular season. So if you're going to take that number, if you're going to go 0.87 times a day, uh, games per day, if you were to start June 1st, that would leave you with 107 games. If you were to do it July 1st, that leaves you with 81. In August, it would leave you with 54 games. You know, so, I mean, is that something that you could see possibly happening? Um, are, are there any answers or anything that at this point in time that you can see legitimately happening to get where, where sports do make a return within the next several months? I don't think it's anything that anyone has control over. I mean, obviously, the government's doing what they need to do. Um, we talked about California, their projections. Um, I, I I don't know from what from what I'm reading and hearing. It doesn't even sound like we're at the worst of it yet, which is insane because what was it two weeks ago, 14 days, 10 days ago in that area? It seems like 10 months ago since the last time I got to watch basketball. Yeah. Since we watched uh, any baseball any NBA basketball. And it's just been terrible because it plays such a big part in our lives where you don't realize it. Yeah. It's just, I, it, I don't know. And like you said, I'm, um, we play amateurs and I'm talking to commissioners and we're wondering if we can even hopefully play our stuff. 
And I, I, there's just no timetable. And I think that's the hardest part is not knowing what's going to happen. When we're going to be able to see anything again, it's, it just eats you from the inside and it's terrible. I, I absolutely hate it, but no, there's no timetable. Dave. Yeah, I think it's it's totally up in the air. You know, when you you watch some of the news or hear some of the people talk, and and they're talking, you know, a couple weeks, you know, two or three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, eight weeks, and then you all of a sudden hear that the government's preparing for up to eighteen months. Yeah. Uh, you know, in different ways, and it, it, it makes your head spin. Um, and it's 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 could not be more surreal, but yet it's it's staring you in the face. You know, I work retail. Um, so, you know, we're kind of sitting ducks with people walking through the door as of now, you know, and there, there's not a case in Eddy County. There is one to the north of us, only one case. Um, but you know, it's out there more than what people have tested for. So the, the whole thing is, is just, it's kind of like out of a nightmare. Um, and you, when you, you know, when you first took the sports and everything out of, out of, I guess, a person like me's life, who, who sports has been a part of my life forever it, it kind of makes things kind of awkward at first you're like okay so well you know the, the kids go to bed and there's nights where the you know my wife will go to bed early she requires more sleep than i do on a regular basis so that's usually when i sit and watch sports or watch sports center now it's like well now what the hell do i turn on you know national geographic channel all right <laughs> so it's, it, you're finding different ways i guess to maybe fill the fill the time and maybe even in a real world sense, you know, more, more structure to it, but the whole thing is surreal. I don't think there's a timetable to it at all. Um, they were talking about, you know, a couple of these drugs that, that they're trying to possibly get pushed through the FDA that have shown promise. And even saying that those things can even do any good, uh, you know, we start to ease off some of these, these regulations and, and mandatory stay home stuff. Uh, so pe- people can get back to work because it will will eliminate the big tax on the healthcare system as far as you know the seriousness of things. You know, it might it might make the the coronavirus more towards like a, the standard flu uh, to most people, or to like a sinus infection, or just you're just sick for a few days. You know, and if they, if that can even happen, this thing is going to get sped up a lot. And people are going to be able to get back to work, and maybe you'll start seeing sports comes back. But you know, if they don't have an answer for this thing, and it spreads, you hear the California governor talk. What do you say? Twenty six million people he expects the next eight weeks. I mean, that that that's jaw dropping numbers. Um, and, and if if they can't get a handle on it, you have to play things safe. You can't let this thing overwhelm your healthcare system like other countries. Or we're looking at an absolutely uh, human natural disaster on on more than one level. Yeah, there is, you know, I guess there just isn't any precedence. We don't know. I mean, it feels most of the time it feels like you're watching one of the, you know, apocalyptic movies almost. Uh, um, and uh, the like today, the Olympic, the USA Swimming is asking for a one year Olympic delay. I don't see there's any way that the Olympics are going to happen at this point, um, given everything else. That, and I know that there has been some positive things that have happened in, in Asia. They haven't, China hasn't had, they've kind of, seemingly at least from what we can gather um got a little bit of a handle on it and you know maybe that's some good news but um you know like baseball and nba and and nhl i know you guys are really missing the nhl right now but they they're gonna have to go in line with one another you know one of them's not gonna be able to come come back and then the other one's not come back you know it's gonna be an all together kind of thing and so it is amazing i think that's probably the most amazing part of it is that you don't realize how much of your life and maybe that's a bad thing how much of your life you spend paying attention to sports you know even even if you're not necessarily sitting down watching actually watching the game physically you know you're on your phone checking stats or you do you know i mean it's just 
it's such a part of your life that you don't realize it until until it's no longer gone, um, no longer there. Um, the the one question I did want to ask was about NCAA because I know, you know, if you know any, anybody that's playing NCAA sports right now, or you know, are particularly difficult for seniors to have your your last, you know, and Dave, I don't know, it's kind of hard to put yourself in that position, but if you can think back to your senior year two in college, what that would have been like to well, have played your you know, first two weeks of the year or three weeks of the year and then told, nope, you're, you're done. Um, they are, the NCAA is going to give an extra year of eligibility. I think the NAI has not done it officially yet. Um, they are talking about it as well. Um, you know, I mean, if it, can you put yourself in those shoes and, and maybe think about what you might do or how you would handle it, Dave? To an extent, yes, but not, not fully. You know, when I transferred to Valley, you know, I was told I was a sophomore eligibility wise. Played my first year at Valley. The next year, Corey was a new game, so I, was, I thought I was a junior. And then we started practice. I think it was like the second day in the actual February practice. Coach walked up to me and, hey, Scopes, he said, you know, our guy our, our guy went through uh, everything. He said, it's the first time we've done this in quite a few years, but by credit-wise, he goes, you're actually a senior eligibility-wise. So I actually did, in that day, lose a year of eligibility without realizing it. Now, thankfully, I didn't have my last year pulled out from underneath me. I mean, I still had the entire season to play, knowing that, that this, this was it. Um, and then because I plan on graduating the following year, you know, still involved in program coaching, I can't fathom ha- having your season end this way. Uh, and I thought it was absolute lunacy when they, you know, with college baseball, that you know, they immediately called off the College World Series. It's like, well, this is in June. What are you doing? Well, now it's pretty evident it was the right call. <laughs> but I, I don't know if there's a right or wrong. You know, I'm sure scholarship-wise, it's going to make things an absolute disaster. I don't know how they're going to figure that out. Um, it's heartbreaking for the kids. If they're given an extra year, I hope kids take it because once, once you're done, you're done, mm-hmm. you know, at that level, you can still try and keep playing, but it's just not the same. Um, so I feel for those kids and even, even high school students, you know, who, who had, you know, track and baseball and that type of stuff taken away. All the kids who won't go on to college sports and play, um, their, their time playing with their buddies is, is done with the exception of Legion ball. And who knows there too, if that's ever going to happen this year. Well, it's hard, you know, you think about state tournaments, I know is going on in North Dakota too, just about to start, you know, those kids that have worked their whole lives and get to the state tournaments and then it's gone, you know, and, and I coached the, the high school team here in the spring and, you know, we're, we don't know what's going to happen now. We've been pushed twice uh, for start dates and things like that. We're not actually part of the, the high school system. It's club in South Dakota. It's not like it is in Minnesota and North Dakota where it's actual through the high school, but, um, you know, so we're not necessarily bound by the high school rules, but um, you got to follow them. I mean, you have to, you can't, you just have to follow them. And so it, it is, it's just a waiting game. And, and, you know, I did say this the other day um, on the radio or whatever, when I was asked about it, and that is, it's a little bit different with baseball because you do have a summer season, you know, where basketball, you're done, you're done and you're done. You know, where at least if we do lose a school ball season, you know, there is still something on the horizon. And that is if if we're at a point at that point where we can come back and play. But um, that's that's just heartbreaking for the kids that are that are done. You know, a lot of people look at your big name college guys, your Tyus Jones, Obi Toppin, guys like that that didn't get to play, you know, the NCAA tournament, which is heartbreaking just as a fan, the competitive nature. But what you look at for me is we have a clone, um, clone guy um, where I live, Corey Teach. He, he had his senior year at D-Dub playing baseball, gone. Um, 
like like you said, you'll get the opportunity maybe to go play again, but there's so much just like high school. It's it's life. It's not always sports. So in a year, it might not pan out for that that kid where, well, you know, I need to go work. I'm not going to, you know, how's that going to work with no classes, not being, you know, you're going to graduate. I mean, there's just so many things. And then your high schoolers that, you know, you don't get another year. And especially in your small areas, they don't get to go play college sports. They might not be, they might not want to do that. Or, you know, that could be the last time that they see the baseball field as of last year, the basketball court as of this year, getting stripped of a state tournament. You know, all that hard work kind of just seems like it's gone. You have no reward for what you put in um, and all the effort and tears and blood that you put in there. So I think as big as it is on the national scale, I feel far more worse for the high schoolers, your yeah. your actual seniors um, on the lower level that they probably aren't going to get the opportunity, even though they're going to go out as press releases saying, well, we gave it to you. It just doesn't work that like that sometimes. Um, so it's – it's, it makes me truly feel bad. And I, I played uh, football at Dakota State, and I walked away after my sophomore year. And um, so I don't exactly – I feel like my career was unfinished. I always want to go back. I joke around. I have one semester, and I have uh, three younger brothers. One's graduating this year. Um, one did some National Guard stuff, and he's looking at going and playing. So I always joke around, well, I'll go finish my career. But um, not the same thing, but it, it kind of – it's sort of a thing where, like you said, Dave, you just in one day, you had a whole year gone. And, you know, it, it's something that a lot of people won't know um, for as in deep in sports that we all are. Yeah, it kind of shows the shocking part of the new reality of, of, you know, the world that we're living in all of a sudden that's hit us within. It feels like, like you said, it's been, what, 10, 12 days since the since everything that happened in the NBA, and it feels like it's been a lot longer than that. All right, we'll end with kind of a hopefully not quite as heavy uh, of a thing. Um, what have you done to fill that sport, sports void, I guess? I, I was just telling you guys what I did. The, you know, I've watched some older games. I watched the the Gophers game that never happened, according to the record books, <laughs> but in 1997, the double overtime Sweet 16 game against Clemson, watched a little bit of the Elite Eight, and then a little bit of the Final Four. That was that was fun to watch. Um hard to watch because it wasn't an HD, but it was fun to watch. So what are some things that you've done to help fill that, that void? Dave, I'll let you go first. Cause mine's absolutely insane. <laughs> <laughs> I've been actually going to bed at a reasonable time. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's the other night, you know, it, it's kind of fun watching some of these classic games. Like you said, uh, you know, my little guy's starting to get into sports and in, in not just playing sports, but watching sports. He's, he's going to be seven here in, in a few weeks. Um, so he, he's starting to, to want to sit down and watch and actually pay attention for more than 10 minutes. Um, and the other night we were watching, it was uh, Utah Jazz and Houston Rockets, I think, from like 1997. Um, but it was Carl Malone Stockton and John Stockton. It, 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 was, it was all those guys. So being able to explain to him, hey, you know, this guy wasn't him, just a mailman. You know, he was the MVP. And that's that's like Akeem Olajuwon. You know, guys I grew up watching and, and playing in the backyard, you know, one-on-none you know, making shots, you know, pretending you were Michael Jordan, you know, being able to, to have him sit down and watch that stuff. is kind of cool. Uh, and I've taken enjoyment in, in some of that stuff right now. So I've gone absolutely full blown crazy. <laughs> um, you guys ever heard of a game? I sent you a picture today and I don't know if you understand why, but 2K or NCAA 2K7, I have it on my PlayStation 3. <laughs> so let me, let me explain to you what I did. So 
I took where the conference tournaments were left off, simmed all of them, looked up all, all the stuff that goes into March Madness. I did my research. I set up my own 68-team bracket. Minnesota didn't make it. They didn't win the Big Ten in my simulation. I'm sorry. They didn't even make the, N or the NIT. Well, it's not true then. <laughs> it's not accurate. So what I've been doing, and I've taken a week off work because it's big sports time for me. I always take, take it off to watch um, all the March Madness games. And um, we had a trip planned that we obviously didn't go on. But I have just been sitting downstairs watching simulated games, actually watching on the TV, watching college basketball. <laughs> in the lowest definition possible. I haven't even watched actual TV. Uh, Tasha, Tasha's absolutely sick of it. My fiance <laughs> hates me. But eight, eight hours of the day, almost a little bit more, have been I can't run games uh, you know, in between each other like they do on TV. So I have to play them back to back. Um, but that's what I've been doing to fill. I've, I've gone fully insane. I'm a little worried. Uh, yeah, you should be. I'll let you know. I'll keep you guys updated. It's really fun at times. <laughs> All right, um, we'll wrap. We'll wrap that up. We'll come back and finish with our bold predictions. Welcome back, episode fifteen, and maybe next year we're going to wrap up today. Um, first thing we want to do here is uh, give a little shout out to our uh, sponsor, uh, Minnesota Nice Marketing, who helped us put together uh, our website at nextyearpodcast.com. I want to give you a little info on them. Um, in today's website world, website credibility judgments are 75% based on overall aesthetics, which means the design and functionality of your website are more important than ever. First impressions are 94% design related. This is where Minnesota Nice Marketing comes into the picture. Minnesota Nice Marketing exists to help small businesses create a collaborative web and mobile page that is easy to understand, affordable, and helps you be found and seen online. Visit minnesotanicemarketing.com to get your free quote for your new web page or web redesign. And remember, 85% of adults think that a company's mobile website should be as good or better than their desktop website. Um, you can check them out, minnesotanicemarketing.com, or you can go to the bottom of our webpage, nextyearpodcast.com, and click on their link there. Um, you know, we we'd really hope you do take it, take the time to check out our website because it's pretty, it's pretty cool. They did a, a pretty amazing job at Minnesota Nice Marketing with that. So we're very thankful for that. All right, bold predictions for the week. Um, this is hard because there isn't, you know, it's hard to make you know, predictions when there isn't a whole lot of anything going on, but um, we're going to try. I'm probably a little more sarcastic than anything, but what do you have? Uh, my bold prediction is that 50 people listening to this podcast are going to email you and want me to stream my NCAA tournament <laughs> online. Uh, get to the website, email it. We'll, we'll probably have to do it on Twitter. We'll, we'll get it going. You let us know. I'm going to take the under on that. Okay. <laughs> 49 won't be too bad. Dave? Uh, my bold prediction is that Ethan and myself will both be top six uh, seeds in Common Man's preposterous statement tournament next year regarding our takes on coronavirus from our last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, I, we could go back and play that, I guess. No. Um <laughs> We've had a lot of bull predictions go wrong, but that might have been <laughs> might have been the worst. I was hoping that wasn't coming up. Oh man, I was hoping that would die. All right. Um, one thing I'm going to be doing here, I'm going to be watching the 1991 World Series on DVD. I have all the games on DVD. My bull prediction is that the Twins are going to win in seven. It's a bull. They're going to take it in seven games. I think Kirby's going to have a good a good game in there somewhere, probably later in the series. That's, <laughs> that's my prediction. 
All right. So that's it for tonight. Thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, be sure to check us out on Twitter and Facebook. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, whatever's easiest for you, and check out our website at nextyearpodcast.com. Um, you know, our plans for next show is kind of up in the air. We'd like to hopefully still be on a regular schedule um, as news develops and things like that. But um, thanks for checking us out tonight. And everybody stay safe and healthy out there. Mm-hmm.